We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighters Fury Inside the Heart of a Champion with your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighters Fury on AM790 The Ticket. All right, happy Sunday, everybody. Welcome on in. Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. We will go until 11, diving all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. Got ourselves the rare Sunday night mixed martial arts card tonight. UFC live from Austin, Texas. What damn good card, too. You got Don Cerrone, Yancey Medeiros going up against each other. It's cool to see these guys um, very friendly at the weigh-ins. They are ready to throw down for this. You have two guys who will absolutely bring it. Medeiros arguably in the fight of the year this in, in his last time out when he was taking on other cow, fake cowboy. Uh, those guys, Alex Oliveira and, and Yancey Medeiros, threw down for an all-time classic. And then you have with Don Cerrone a bit of a crossroads fight. He is going at this with the need of a win. I think to really consider him back in any light of, okay, is Don Cerrone really a contender anymore? Is Don Cerrone... Is he is he actually at the cream uh, the cream of the crop? Is he still in that upper echelon of fighters, or is he on the back end of his career? You got to remember this is a guy, the way he went about fighting his career, he'll take uh, any fight anywhere at any time, it is what made him so popular amongst fans. It, it it's what makes him Teflon with fans, where the losses really don't matter as long as Cowboy's in there. We know it's going to be a good show. We know it's going to be a good fight, but eventually. The records do matter on whether or not you're going to be in title contention and if you're going to make that climb again. And with Cowboy, you know, to, to see the last time he was out there against Darren Till, who's way too big for him, Darren Till, who's who's a borderline welterweight, who's probably going to be a middleweight sometime in his career, Don Cerrone, who's a borderline welterweight in the other area of the spectrum where probably – his best, most optimal place is lightweight if he's going to uh, cause the most damage. But he has been has had success at welterweight when he first made the move there. So it's an interesting it's an interesting crossroads fight for him. I really don't have a great feel for it because you really don't know with Cowboy who you are going to get. Are you going to get just the absolute monster? Is he going to go out there? Is he going to bully his opponent? Is he going to be able to really impact him with his kicks and and cause damage early, or? Is this uh, is this a case where you know Yancey Medeiros can can put some pressure on him, not back down to that first time where where you know Cowboy tries to influence him with some with some offense of his own. So I'm very very interested in this fight tonight. You also got Derek Lewis taking on Marcin Tibera. Um Also an interesting fight. Derek Lewis it, I think is uh, one of the best personalities in the heavyweight division. I really would love to see him at that elite level where. He can he can get into the title picture. I think he's an awesome personality and you know great story, especially with what he was doing with the with the uh, the Houston Hurricane and all the help that he was doing going out in his truck and helping members of his community. Um, he's also amazing on the microphone. We all know where Ronda Rousey found us at. Classic line drop by by Derek Lewis. I guess the question with him really is health. You know how healthy is he? How is the back? 
Um, you, you, you've seen him the last couple times out. It's like he's he's like frozen up up there, and he talked about retirement at one point. So we really don't know with Derek Lewis, like how how healthy is he? How 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 effective is he going to be? If he is, we know that he's dev- a devastating enough striker where he can cause damage. He can put the lights out and be effective. But there are question marks with him. He's at a bit of a crossroads, and he's taking on a very, very tough opponent in Marcin Tabara. And 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 so that's going to be some interesting stuff that we have to look out for tonight at UFC Austin. Um, this past week, we had Bellator action on Friday night. Matt Mitrion moves on to the semifinals in the heavyweight Grand Prix. He beats Roy Nelson in a two-to-one fashion, majority decision. He, um, you know, definitely it looked like he got the better of it on the feet in the first two rounds. Second round, Roy got the uh, got the takedown of it and got all those rounds from everybody. One one judge had it at a uh, at a ten-eight, so he had it ended up it ended up being a majority decision because that judge had it at a draw, twenty-eight-twenty-eight. The interesting thing, and I didn't know this. Um, until the fight started, and I didn't even think about this until um, I didn't even think about this until it, the cards came out. But because they're in a tournament, if it if it did turn out, if you had multiple judges judges give him the twenty eight twenty eight scorecard, well, then in that situation, you'd have to go to a sudden death round. You can't just leave a tournament at a draw. A draw a, a tournament has to have a winner. So this isn't even like a case where a title fight where, hey, if it's a draw, champion gets to keep the belt. He wasn't defeated. He is uh, he is still a top. So that's the situation we were looking at with this. If 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 Roy Nelson would have gotten multiple 10-8s from judges and would have been a majority draw, they would have had to go to an extra round. It's pretty crazy. That's a crazy situation where we're looking at where we're not just in this point where, oh, it's uh, it, it's cool. That was a that was a very closely contested fight. No, we can't be left with no decision here in a tournament. There has to be a winner. They can't both advance. So that would have been a pretty crazy thing to see. I, I almost want to see that play out now in one of these scores where we're at the tournament, and I think probably in the heavyweight tournament we're probably thinking, oh, there's going to be some finishes. We've had uh, and now we've had two decisions as far as the Grand Prix is concerned. But it does intrigue me that there can't be a draw. That there has to be an absolute winner for these fights. And so I'm almost looking forward to that scenario if we can get it. It would be very, very cool to see that happen. Um, but it didn't. Right now we're at the point where Matt Mitrione is moving on. And so I believe the fights we have left, we have Fedor versus Frank Mir. And we have King Mo taking on Ryan Bader, who, by the way, showed up nude at an Arizona game this week. He had his Bellator belt wrapped around his waist, and that's it, and and ran through a couple of Pikachus. If you guys want to uh, if you guys want to check that out, it's a fantastic video. Light heavyweight champion Ryan Bader showing up to the Arizona game wearing nothing but his championship belt and running through some Pikachus. Who would have thought? Pretty crazy there on his part. So that's the uh, that's the rundown of what went down with mixed martial arts this week as far as the action is concerned. You got action tonight. You have Bellator 194, which went down on Friday. Um, not the best card, not the best of cards, but that was the the biggest stakes at it. You had the advancement in the heavyweight division. The other big thing that went down this week, and I want to make note of this before uh, before we hit the break, Yoel Romero's management team 
is pushing the UFC to host the middleweight title fight that he'll have against Robert Whitaker down here in Miami. And we're really pushing for this. We've been talking about this on the midday show with Beast and Leroy. And I can't stress enough how much I want this to happen. We haven't had a title fight down here. We haven't really had UFC in Miami. In Miami, we haven't had since 2003. We've had in South Florida. We've had a couple things at the Hard Rock. We had one at BB&T where they gave us, like, you know, no-name flyweights. And the crowds have stunk. And that's why we're almost ultimately blacklisted. We, we can't get any cards down here. But Miami always does things big. So I think if they actually gave them a legitimate title fight down here, I think this would really change the curve down here. Everybody fights. You have so, so many guys down here who train down here. The atmosphere and the love for the sport has grown so much. I'd really like to see this go down. And I don't know if it will because typically you have champions being the guys who get to dictate where the fights are, not necessarily contenders, which is what Yoel is in this case. So it's probably more likely that it'll be Yoel if he beats Robert Whitaker, then he gets to decide where his next title will be. But it's an interesting idea. Look, they've done the Australian fights a thousand times, and I understand that you, you like to have the uh, the atmosphere behind your young champion, Robert Whitaker, but they've done the Australia thing. And I think it'd be pretty cool to see them do a little bit something different. Um, I think it'd be I think it'd be really really interesting to see what the dynamics would be down here. But to see Yoel, the Cuban community behind him, actually having it down here in South Florida, all the people who train, I think it'd be fantastic. So that's something to look out for. When we come back, we're gonna get into some boxing. Peter Khan, friend of the show, he's been on a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago, or maybe it was. He's gonna join us in studio. We'll talk some of the uh, sweet science with him. We'll be back right after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back. Fighters Fury here on 7i The Ticket. Very excited to be joined by my guest in the studio, Peter Khan. We had, Peter, you, you were on like two or three weeks ago. Uh, you were fantastic. Talked some boxing with you. Um, Peter is a local boxing manager, very tied into the sport, knows the business aspect of it, has been around the sport for many, 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 many years and uh, has a good pulse on things. And just thought you come in here and, 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 and shoot on uh, what's been going on with the sport. We had some a lot of action this past uh, this past weekend. Last night we had uh, Danny Garcia against Brandon Rios. Uh, Danny Garcia puts him out in the ninth round, right hand, down the pipe. Brandon Rios stopped by Kenny Bayless. Can't get going. Um, it was a layoff for Danny Garcia, but he's he's now, it seems, gets that win under his belt, which uh, unfortunately for Brandon Rios, he's almost in that gatekeeper role now. It's, it's he's uh, He feels like he's um, – Brandon Rios is like the get-right the, the get right guy. You know, like if I want it, I know it's going to be an exciting fight. Rios is going to bring it. Um, but ultimately, the guy with the, with the more talent will prevail, and Danny Garcia did that. He looks great. And now I guess we could talk about him back in the picture of the welterweight division. Where does he stand? First of all, it was it was exactly as you described, especially for Danny Garcia, um, after having not fought since last March uh, when he fought Keith Thurman, which was still a good fight. I mean, Keith Thurman is probably uh, the top welterweight right now uh, in the division, although Errol Spence Jr. and, uh, and Terrence Crawford, in my opinion, um, could be right there. Uh, Spence hasn't had the competition yet that Thurman's had. Thurman's had his fight with Porter. He's had his fight with Garcia. Yeah. And he's been able to prove himself. And you're right. Uh, Brandon Rios is is battle-worn. I mean, he uh, he's made some money. He's had his opportunities. He's been in big fights. Definitely has a great team behind him. 
Uh, I love what uh, Bayless did. Um, I love how he knew. You know, these referees that are the veteran referees know when a guy's trying to sell them yeah. on that they're okay. He uh, Kenny and, made him. He's like he's like you know I, he, I, he made him come and yeah. he knew he knew. And a guy like that too, like y- you know that it's almost like you got to protect him from himself. Yeah, that's, I mean that's he, how kind of that's the kind of tough. I mean, he is. look at that right hand. It was. A I mean, it was it was a lazy jab by Rios. Didn't bring it back, and Garcia just stood right there uh, through that straight right hand. Uh, and when you watch that replay, I mean, uh, Rios is just a tough guy. Most guys would just be out for the count. Rios knew he was hurt, knew he was stunned. He looked at Bayless to see where he was in the count, and he slowly tried to get up and tried to play it off because he's he's a warrior. Um, for me, I look at different things. Uh, like Robert Garcia jumped in the ring, ran right to Rios, knew he was hurt, brought him back to the corner to sit down, and, and, and you know, it is what it is. Uh, ring rust is real. Uh, especially at that level. Yeah. And so uh, that's the biggest concern as a manager that I always have for fighters uh, that I work with is that if we have a fight scheduled and it falls out and then another one comes and it falls out, then all of a sudden someone is inactive for six months, eight months, nine months. It plays just as much of a psychological role as it does on a physical role. And something that people don't understand, a little bit of insight into the difference between training in the gym and fighting is the timing and uh getting that timing back is just a different thing in a real fight compared to you know being in the gym well i think the interesting thing now we are at the situation with keith thurman where he's coming back from you know a pretty bad injury some 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 reconstruction on his i think it's his elbow elbow elbow. and you know he's at this point right now where he's got a lot of guys hungry they want to come for that top spot but He's been very open that he wants a, a, a tune-up fight or maybe two to, to test his elbow, to make sure that he's in a good spot. What, what do you think of the whole situation right now with welterweight, with, with Keith? How much time should he be given to, I guess, get right before he's thrown back in the lion's den with all these hungry guys that want a piece of him? I think it's definitely the right way to go. Um, and everybody in boxing knows this, okay, because no one would do the opposite. Everyone would do the same thing. At first... And this is such a bigger question because one of the things I wanted to talk about is really the mess that the welterweight division is becoming because it's just becoming recycled Al Heyman PBC fighters. Yeah. And the whole uh, ridiculousness with Sean Porter in the ring after the fight. That was weird. Well, you know, I work with these guys on certain things. I don't know what's staged. I don't know what's not staged. I talked to Leonard Ellerby weekly. Um I don't know if Jim Gray was in on it or if he was genuinely annoyed, right? But they're just trying to sell the the beef to the audience. Right. And if they get enough traction on social media, right? We judge everything on social media these days. If there's enough traction, hey, maybe we can make Garcia Porter. Because originally, if people have sort of forgotten, uh, Porter beat Berto to become the mandatory. Mm-hmm. He is Keith Thurman's mandatory. But the WBC, understandably so, is giving a special exception to Thurman because of the injury, legitimate yeah. injury, and this is not a this is a bad boxing injury. The elbow is not a good injury. No, you you got to go in there because that's that's it's almost like you're going to a construction site and you don't have your hammer. You're not quite sure how right. it's going to be functioning. So originally, the rumblings behind the scenes were we all knew that Jesse Vargas was having issues with top rank as far back as last year, mm-hmm. and eventually he is now parted from top rank he's with al Heyman, and originally we heard that it was going to be keith thurman jesse vargas which 
would have been a really good fight. Jesse Vargas is no slouch, former world champion. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just think that Keith Thurman, it's in his right to want to tune up. Hey, he can fight a guy like Brandon Rios, like that type of, you know, caliber. Sellable fight. I mean, sellable he's, fight. He's, uh, you know, Brandon Rios has a good mouth on him, so it's it, it's going to be entertaining. But, it's but not going to be something right. where he's going to Oh, it's not a walk, not it's not a walk in the park. I mean, it, took, it took Garcia nine rounds to find that shot. And and along the way, Rios was game the whole way. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was losing, but he was but he was fighting. So there are other, so many other components that go into this, right? You can say, well, a guy like Rios would be one of his old nemesis, Mike Alvarado, right? That would yep. be a good guy, right? Absolutely. He's going to stand in front of you. He's going to make a little war out of it. But he's with top rank, and they're trying to feed him to Pacquiao, yep. who's now trying to say he'd rather fight Matisse. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's all a lot of gamesmanship. A lot of um, Manny doesn't want to be on the undercard of Crawford Horn. I mean, how do you do that to Manny Pacquiao? Seriously. How do you try to sell that? And so Manny's not not with that. This I know from inside sources that he doesn't necessarily he hasn't been on the undercard in over twenty years. Well I can understand that with Pacquiao because you look at the numbers that he drew for his horn fight and what that meant for a launch for top rank, it's tough to tell that guy, hey, you're gonna have to take a step aside to a fight that a lot of people thought he beat Horn. Right. Like it's it's a weird it's a it's a weird dynamic. I can understand that for a guy. There's so few guys at his level of superstardom. That's a that's a that's a weird pill to swallow for him. Yeah. And it's maybe something we see more in mixed martial arts. Like you'll see the legends, they'll eventually have to go. That's just how the torch goes. Eventually you know, the, the Anderson Silvers will have to fight on the undercard of a fight. That's just how it goes. Otherwise, where are we going to put you? And, and it adds value that they're there. But in boxing, it's a little bit different. You know, the, the, the being being the, the co-main event, it comes with, a, with a, 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 a more bitter stigma, I think, than maybe it does in MMA. Yeah, and in this particular case, I think it's a little bit more uh, stinging because it's on a Jeff Horn right. undercard. And this, I like Jeff Horn. I have a personal relationship with him. I like him. Uh, it was a close fight. I don't take sides. I was there. I, you know, the judges make the decision. You live with it. Because no matter what you think, it doesn't matter. Jeff Horn's a WBO champion. Absolutely. I like Manny, too. Um, I mean, this guy's a legend. I mean, these guys won a world title in half of the existing weight classes. Yep. It's never going to be done again. No one's ever going to be, be able to win eight weight classes. You know, guys have come in and done six. Eight, it's nearly impossible. For him to do that is just uh, what makes him one of the greats. So, what do you ultimately think with him? What do you think the landing spot will be? Oh, I know. I mean, I mean, I know what they're trying to do: fight Mike Alvarado, get the ring rust off, beat Alvarado, Horn uh, loses to Crawford, and now you have two top-ranked guys, Crawford and Manny, and you keep it away from Heyman's game, yeah. which is going to be Spence, Garcia, Thurman, Porter, Vargas, all being recycled, fighting each other. It's like they're doing a round robin. Yeah, the thing that's the thing that's interesting. The thing that's interesting with the the Crawford Pacquiao dynamic, it it does feel a little bit like with Manny, that's going to be him walking into this is uh, Crawford's launching point. You know what I mean? And maybe look, Manny Pacquiao is amazing and he's awesome. It's not what he was. And for years, he's not the the killer that he was in the ring. You know, like you could tell Manny Pacquiao, there was a certain point where he hit in his career where it was, you watch Manny Pacquiao fight now. And when he feels he has a guy beat and he has proven his point, he lays back. Right. It's, 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 it's not the guy who will go and try and break Antonio Margarito's orbital bone or crush 
Miguel Cotto until he can't walk anymore. It's just that that's not the same personality that's in that ring anymore. I mean, Manny Pacquiao hasn't had a legitimate KO since Ricky Hatton. Yeah. People will say, oh, Cotto, but I'm talking about one punch, knockout, out for the count. And that was Ricky Hatton. That must have been like 07. Yep. Something like that. And with Manny, I don't think Manny's under any, uh, he's not under any illusions, right? In the end, it's still called prize fighting, and he wants the money as long as he can earn the money. Boxing is the one sport where guys hang on way too long. Yep. They always, Roy Jones Jr. Love Roy Jones Jr. Someone asked me recently, who are your three favorite fighters of all time? And when I really sat back and thought about it, Roy Jones Jr. was probably the most dominant fighter of his era. You know, because he was before the Mayweather and Pacquiao, but his level of competition was also, in my opinion, greater. Um, so with Manny, I think he knows what he's up for. But look, if he he only has to be great one time that night, one night against Crawford, roll the dice, make some good money. Look, we're already writing off Horn, right? We're we're already pretty much assuming that that's yeah. You it, know, it's just that I think to a lot of people. Uh, I think from the fans' perspective, we're all looking at him and be like, well, we don't – a lot of people don't think that he won the fight that got him here. And we look at Terrence Crawford and we're like, this guy is one of the most devastating punchers in there right now. Like, he goes in Bad there – Bad intentions. Yeah. It's just he, – he goes in there. He's one of those rare guys now where he's looking to actually hurt you. And it's not just like he's going out there to win. And I just look at that as a, as a guy in Jeff Horn who's rough and tumble and – and he's no he's he's going to try and make it dirty in there. I don't know, man. I don't I don't think you can bully a guy like Terrence Crawford. I don't think that works. You know, Jeff Horn's style isn't as much dirty because I I've been involved in two fights where I've been on the other side. It's not so much dirty as it is physical, right? People forget he's an Olympian. I mean, he represented Australia for what that's worth in the London Olympics. He can box. He he's not he's he has a a pretty good boxing IQ, but he's rough and he's strong. Uh, I went to Australia a couple of years ago with a fighter that I've managed, Randall Bailey, former uh, three-time two-division champion. Mm -hmm. And we underestimated Jeff Horn and his strength and his ability to manhandle him. Um, and Randall, who uh, has a 85% KO percentage through his career, landed a big punch. And, and Jeff, like Manny, like against Manny in the ninth, he wobbled. He could have been out on his feet, but he was able to bounce back and then really get in the driver's seat so um i i have no i have no doubt in my mind that crawford's going to be a big favorite and that he's going to beat jeff horn um he might even stop him and might even stop him in that seventh eighth ninth round mm -hmm. uh because uh, i think that jeff hasn't fought someone technically as gifted and in the pro in his prime such as terrence crawford so that's how i see that going um taking a step back i'm happy for ray beltran uh, one of the really good guys in the sport. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he finally won his world title. Uh, maybe he gets his green card, gets to stay in the U.S. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, he's a, he's a good guy. It's, it's so easy to want to to cheer for him and root for him. I'm I'm really happy for him and his team. And uh, he didn't have it easy either. I don't know if you caught that fight, but it was a very close fight. Uh, he won. Um, he earned the victory. But uh, he certainly did it the hard way, which I think also makes it that much more sweeter for him. Um, and then we have uh, March 3rd, something that you and I were talking about when I walked in here uh, during the break, was something that I talked about a few weeks ago when I came on, which was you asked me about why does it take so long for fights to get made? Yeah, there's, a, there's always like a web of things that it, 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 I think frustrates fans. They don't realize like 
not only just timing of opponents there's network things there's there's why, why can't we do more cross promotion fights it seems like guys trying keep each other and, you know i get it you know promoters want to be able to put on the best fights without having to split up the pie and a lot of the times there are there are speed bumps and there are hurdles in making these fights but the fans ultimately they don't want to hear these things they just ultimately just want the fights to happen but um I think it's interesting to understand why they don't. Well, we talked about it, and, you know, distribution dictates the dates of fights. And in this landscape, it's primarily uh, Showtime and HBO. So on March 3rd, we have a perfect example where these two networks, they have to go head-to-head. Believe me, they don't want to. And in my opinion, Showtime has the better fight from a a fan-friendly perspective. You have uh, Deontay Wilder fighting Luis Ortiz for the heavyweight title uh, in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center. And then, uh, uh, you know, across town, uh, a little more uptown, you have at the theater at Madison Square Garden, you have Kovalev fighting Sergey something. Or is it even Sergey? I don't know. Igor, I'm sorry. (laughs) And then you have uh, have Dimitri Bivol fighting Sullivan Barrera, which for me should be the main event. Okay, because that's, that's, that's going to be one heck of a fight. And uh, there's a lot going on behind the scenes on that fight, too. You know, a lot of people don't know Bevel. Um, he's definitely the fighter in the light heavyweight division that has the least amount of fights. Um, he is a world champion, but he very well might be the best fighter in the he's, division. He, he looks very. He looks like the real deal, uh, the way the way he's been going through guys lately. Yeah, well, you, you know, unfortunately, we've all seen the, the replay of the first round KO against my fighter Trent Broadhurst in Monaco. Which ha- there was a little controversy leading into that fight. So we're we're in Monaco. Uh, there's no commission in Monaco, first of all. So there was I don't even know what commission we ended up using. I think we were just dealing with the WBA and and the officials. So we get to the rules meeting, and we are doing the glove selection. Okay. And so the gloves come out, and we look at both sets of gloves, and immediate we immediately we're like this is BS, and. So Grant had made a custom pair of gloves for Bevel. So here's the deal. In a world championship fight, unless it's in the contract, uh, you can wear whatever gloves you want to wear as long as you're wearing 10-ounce gloves. Okay. Well, these were custom-made Grant gloves. I don't know if they were 10-ounce gloves. And we tried them. We couldn't even get them on Trent's hand. Really? So we ended up having to use a backup pair of the gloves that uh, the heavyweights were using um, that Derek Jasora was going to be using because that's the only one that Trent could get his hands in. And the Bevel glove was clearly an altered glove. It was it was made for his hand. So then I started texting. some wild shenanigans going on I started there, texting man. Elvis uh, Grant, uh, Grant Elvis Phillips. Uh, so I'm texting Elvis. He's getting defensive with me. And the the Russian promoter, uh, World of Boxing, they're, they're yeah, on the level. Right. So, the, trust but me. you know, but we've heard this before with uh, with Mayweather, with Triple G is is another person with the same issue that people have had with these Grand Gloves, and uh, in addition to um, Andre Ward. And look, I'm, I like Elvis. I like Grand Gloves. It's not the issue, right? The issue is that there could have been a competitive advantage. Uh, and when I saw the way that Trent was knocked out, I really don't know. Because I've also heard from guys that I've had spar with Bevel that he hits really hard. Mm-hmm. So it could just be that. But anyway, Barrera's team reached out to me to ask me uh, about, the, glove about the gloves. And so they kind of got ahead of it with the New York commission. But uh, but anyway, 
the point I was making, so at, at the theater Madison Square Garden, you have Bevel and Brer, which I think is going to be a great fight. You have Ortiz uh, trying to, um, is going to be taking on Wilder. That's going to be a good fight. Uh, I think that uh, out of all of the opponents that uh, Wilder has fought thus far, Ortiz is clearly the yeah, best this, by far. This one is, and, and you know, I give Wilder a lot of credit because he has been lumped in with, oh, you've had your guys cherry-picked by El Heyman. Who are these people that you're fighting on on broadcast television? We've never heard of them before. He has been going out of his way. He's going to find a very tough fight. It would have been very easy to sweep this fight away and say, that the guy popped, he has a past. It, what else needs to be said? He doesn't deserve the shot. Well, let's also look at that, and, and I agree with you. And when it comes to Wilder, I, I think that he gets unfair criticism because we people forget Povetkin failed drug test. Ortiz failed drug test. It wasn't because Wilder doesn't want to fight these guys. I, I'm telling you that he sincerely believes he's going to beat Ortiz, and he's just chomping at the bit to fight the winner of Joshua Parker, yeah. which I kind of think we think is going to be Joshua. A Joshua-Wilder fight would be a very entertaining fight if Wilder gets past Ortiz. We'll be back right after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back. It's Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you. I see him and Tommy Guns are out this week. We got Peter Kahn, logo boxing manager. He's great, greatly tied into the sport. Always love talking to Sweet Science with Peter, and he's kind enough to join us in studio today. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to get your thoughts on this because talking about crossover with uh, with overpromotion and, 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 and dates that get, uh, that get overlapped. So there's a situation going on with Lomachenko versus Ori Linares. That fight wants to... They want to make that fight happen for, I think it was May 12th or April 28th. But HBO is, is making a huff about it with Golden Boy because it's right in the, it's it's kind of like on the, the sandwich, it's it's on the bread parts of Canelo Triple G. They want to do that week for promotion leading into the pay-per-view. And then, of course, they got the replay that they want to show the week after, and they already have a fight picked out. So they're having some issues to make this fight happen. Um from your from your end, looking at what's going on between top rank, Golden Boy, and HBO, what do you kind of see being the best solution for this fight to happen? I agree with Golden Boy 100%. Um, the draw and the pay-per-view money is clearly with Triple G and Canelo and that rematch. Yeah. Why would you want to cannibalize any of that, right? And and I I can't imagine that Lomachenko is a pay-per-view. That's it's not a pay per view, right? No, it's no. just just a fight. No, it's gonna be on ESPN. I think that's the plan. Right. So, um, I understand that they're thinking that uh, that this could be some issue leading in, uh, but truthfully, I mean, if it's just a regular H, you're not gonna lose fans. If if it's part of the HBO subscription, uh, I, I'm they're gonna put Lomachenko on ESPN or HBO. I think they're gonna put him on ESPN. I think okay, that's the so. Plan. So, so what is what's the issue that Bob's having? I don't know. So there's no issue. There's no issue. We watch Lomachenko fight Linares, which would be a great fight. Yeah. Um, entertaining. Well, why is why is there an idea that he's tied to those dates because he wants to be around the Triple G Canelo fight? I don't understand. Doesn't affect it. I don't understand the appeal of why. Like, if he's upset about them not having the fight on those dates, why not just pick another date? Like, to me, is the only benefit right, that so, you want to be around because boxing fans are going to be very, oh, well, not only is there Canelo coming up, so we got here's, Lomachenko around. Here's a different perspective. So I had a conversation yesterday with Top Rank about 
would they be willing to sign a fighter, not saying who, that was with them and left and we went somewhere else and he wants to go back? And would they want him back? The answer is yes. Could they effectively fight him and keep good to the promotional agreement due to the stable they have and the dates they have and the fighters they need to fight in order to keep them active? Probably not. Right. So sometimes it has nothing to do with the value of the fighter unless he's in that top 1%, right, that's going to make them a, a trillion dollars. It's a matter of can you keep them busy? And so this just might fall into one of those scenarios where it's not just the main event that gets messed up. It could be the, the nine other fights on that undercard that he needs to keep those guys busy on those dates because those dates lead up to a future date that they already have mapped out for other things. That makes sense. And other than that, it could just be that at this time, Bob just, you know, he just seems just to have feels a like it. Feels like it has a problem with HBO now. Um, he has this big deal with ESPN. How much do you see that with promoters where they just are going to cause a spat in the media just because? Like, it, it, it makes promotions, it grabs headlines for people, um, it makes it seem like there's a bad guy, good guy element to it. So let's just say, I don't know, with like Eddie Hearn saying that oh, Wilder needs to be more realistic with his thing. Is he really just putting that out there because he's genuinely upset about it? Or does he just want headlines and that just keeps people talking about the fight? Because that was always a thing with, uh, with, with Pacquiao Mayweather. Well, the negotiations were always in a snag. Fans would pick sides. Fans would get upset. You're, you would be emotionally invested to it. So is there a play element to it with promoters where – Oh look, there's they're still having uh, negotiation issues with this happening. We can't pick the 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 pot size, uh, the purse size, or the split, or the anything like this. You know, I feel like it, it is it just a, a move by promoters, or are they genuinely trying to let the fans know why things aren't happening? So in Eddie Hearn's case with Joshua, he clearly has the leverage, and he clearly wants to maintain that leverage because so far, Anthony Joshua has proven that he can sell over ninety thousand tickets at Wembley, and that he could sell. For two fights in a row now, over 70,000 tickets at uh, the stadium in Cardiff, which he's, you know, now going to be fighting uh, against Joe Parker. Right. In Aram's case, it simply might be that we all know that Lomachenko is a great fighter, right? But no one really knows who he is. Mm -hmm. So this kind of just keeps his name as someone that's important in the landscape of maybe the public. And... Uh, for that matter, it kind of maybe helps. I mean, in, in the end, they're called promoters. Yeah, absolutely. So in the end, in that sense, it's not really a money thing because, uh, you know, Lomachenko, as great as he is, just hasn't really connected with with the average person, right? The average person, you walk down the street, they know who Manny Pacquiao is. They knew Floyd Mayweather. Um, we had this conversation again before. They might not even know who Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder are now, but they certainly don't know who Vasil Lomachenko is. Right. And his lack of English doesn't help. Um, with Triple G and Canelo, because that fine fight finally took place last year and because it ended the way it did and because everyone wants to see that rematch, I mean, obviously that's a huge draw. That's a pay-per-view. Well, see, here's the other thing. Do we know if this is if, if, they're, if Top Rank's trying to do an ESPN pay-per-view for that? I've heard it kicked around. Like I've read, but that I've, could be the only thing. Well, I'm interested in this from your from your perspective on pay per views because I look at it 
from a fan's perspective and I look and I don't see many of them down the road anymore. And I think we looked at this, we talked about this last time with the Kovalev Ward thing where like, man, it seems like you have all the elements there. Two of the best fighters. They're actually fighting each other. Russian American Olympian, uh, guy who's devastating, killed a guy from, from punching him. Like you got all the, the storylines there, but it just didn't click. Is this just a dying element of the sport like fans maybe just i mean I, I can tell you from looking at ufc numbers unless it's a mcgregor fight they're all not where they used to be so is this just a, is it is it a an old time way of 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 selling fights anymore do, do fans want to fork over money for it um with how television's going people are connected less there's wire cutting all over the place i mean is it realistic to say this is a thing boxing promoters should go after anymore brendan i'm so happy that you asked that question and i promise you that this was not a setup and you have no idea that i'm going to tell you that number one you're right number two there's going to be a market correction number three tomorrow um a press release is going to go out um i created a deal with cbs sports digital really that will be the first ott over the top boxing uh distribution that they will have ever done and uh, put that deal together for Real Deal Sports Entertainment, which is a Vander Holyfield's company. So now what's going to happen is starting March 10th in Brooklyn at King's Theater, we are going to self-produce the Real Deal show. It is going to be on the CBSSports.com Sports Live platform. Uh, among the family of networks, they have about 85 million unique visitors per month. They have a great audience between CBS Sports. Um, between CBSSports.com, between 24-7 Sports, right. between uh, the Sports Live, uh, sports Line, Fantasy, to be able to promote this. And what's going to happen is right now we're making it free to the end user worldwide. Tune in, go on your phone, go on your laptop, go on your tablet, go on your smart TV, stream it, watch it. It's totally free. We're going to let the sponsors and the advertisers pay for everything because we are going to bring them like I said, no barrier to entry, more viewers worldwide. Gotcha. Then little experiments going to take place. And the way that I've been explaining it is it's, it's sort of going to be like the Hollywood model. So now you go, let's just say, for instance, you go to Deontay Wilder and, and you say, you know what? Look, your fight with Showtime is not a pay-per-view, which means that Steven Espinosa is assigning a rights fee. And out of that rights fee, that's what we have to pay you and Ortiz and the rest of the show, and that's how it works. So let's say he's getting two and a half, three million dollars. Well, let's say, you know what, forget that. We're going to give you a guarantee of a million dollars, but you're going to get points on the back end. And we're going to offer this now to the streaming audience for $19.99, hmm. not for $79.99 or $100. And we don't need a Showtime or HBO. We don't need a cable operator that we give 18% off the top and then split with the network 50-50 after marketing expenses are taken out, which they determine the marketing expenses. Now what's going to happen is we can go to a CBS and say, okay, well, you know, this is the split that we're going to have on this, on this, on this pay-per-view, but really we're doing all the heavy lifting. Yes, they're going to promote, they're going to, we're offering it to the, the customer, the viewer, the fan for far less in some instances 80 percent off of what they're used to paying and in in this scenario um we're really going to understand the fighter's market value yeah 
Well, I've always found it interesting, like, because for years, I thought one of the kings of pay-per-view was Vince McMahon with the WWE, and he, you know, a f- couple years ago, he says, I'm taking away all pay-per-views, you know, you guys can still do them, but I'll give you them all for nine ninety nine a month, and right. you can just stream them on my platform, and I always, you know, I always found that very interesting, like, you know, Vince McMahon's usually ahead of the curve on these things, and sometimes it's harder for, uh, for the other sports to get out of their antiquated ways of how they've done things. But I do think it is interesting. Like what anymore is going to make a fan fork over $65, $75, you know, in, in a Mayweather case, a hundred dollars to watch him fight. You know, it's, it's very rare. And, yeah. I, and I think, I think other fighters can look at that and say, well, I want to get there and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's, it's hard to get to a Mayweather level, and it takes a lot of time to get to a Mayweather level, and it also takes the right cocktail to say, right. well, it's it's also a Mayweather-Pacquiao or a Mayweather-Freak show with McGregor that will make you pay for that. But let's think about it. The fighters right now, everything's arbitrary. Look, I have Showtime, and I have HBO, because I have to. Mm-hmm. I, I If I want to watch a fight, I have to, but that means I have to subscribe to both networks as part of my, my, uh, my, my DirecTV package, right? right? Look, I also like the original programming, so I'm not complaining. So there's plenty that I can watch on HBO and Showtime. But imagine if there was no boxing on HBO and Showtime. I'm not so sure that I would. I mean, it's it's added value to yeah, have the other I stuff, mean, but it, I, I don't know if I would have both networks if I didn't have to have them for boxing. And if you're telling me now that for a pay-per-view, I could go pay $20 to see this fight and not have to pay an annual subscription and I could just pick and choose the fights I want. It could be $5, right? In the end, what I'm saying is that we leave the door open for far more viewers and having to split less money as a promoter with fewer people. Yeah. It, 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 help, it, it, it really benefits the fans, and the fighters will know their market value. Yeah. Well, it, it seems like it would be a lot more, I guess, direct in that regard. You know, what is the thing that will get you... Um you know, get the fans in the door. So that's uh that's that's gonna be a fascinating thing to watch. That's an interesting that's an interesting thing that you got going there. So yeah, so March tenth, it's gonna be free. I'll remind you. Um it's gonna be uh on CBSports.com forward slash sports live and you'll be able to watch the event. And it also opens up just so many new avenues for the broadcast. Uh, I might be commentating, I might be part of the commentating nice. team on that. And we will be able to interact uh, in real time with the fans via the Twitter feed right there on the viewer. So it just adds all these different components. Um, we also own the entire uh, broadcast inside that viewer. So from a partner standpoint, we can uh, really do some unique things that you don't get to see on subscription-based premium uh, networks as far as advertising, marketing, you know, you know, interaction with, with, uh, with, with the viewership. Before I get you out of here, um, let me get your pick for Wilder versus Ortiz. Who do you think is going to come out on top of that one? I think youth is going to youth and activity. Um, I like Luis Ortiz. Uh, I I know him. I know his team. Um, I know I know he's working his tail off. I know he's going to be there. He's going to be yeah, ready to go. Uh, he's such a, a good fighter. Um, I think that the negatives on his side uh, are the age and the lack of activity. Uh, I think that Wilder's youth and the fact that I don't think Ortiz has faced anyone like Wilder. Um, is going to be the difference, but my so my pick is going to be Wilder. I'm, I'm going with Wilder, but nothing would surprise me if if Luis Ortiz could find that one shot, sweet spot. If he could find it, anyone can go. Yeah, that's the thing with Wilder. You know, 
he's so good because of how he goes and, and throws those wild punches you can't prepare for, but it does leave him open. And yeah. so there is opportunity yeah. there. I mean, it's it's at your own risk because you got to go through those telephone poles. But And Ortiz is a big man. Yeah. Very you know, big. Not, not, a, not a little heavyweight. I mean, he's a big man. Appreciate you coming in. I really enjoyed this. Uh, thank you for stopping by. And uh, that was a pretty cool breakdown you gave us on the uh, in the pay-per-view. That's going to be an interesting thing to watch for the, as, a, as a fan. Thanks for having me. I love being here and uh, looking forward to being on again. Everybody have a fantastic rest of your week. Greg Likens is going to come and uh, entertain you for the rest of the afternoon. And we will talk to you time, uh, same time, same place next week. Right on. We'll be, uh, enjoy Greg Likens next. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 